we're in this message series where we're talking about leaving a lasting legacy. And really, blessing our kids is all about that. Uh, that, that we believe that we're called not just, not just to follow Jesus for our own sakes, but really to make an impact for generations and generations and generations to come. That's what this church has been here for over 200 years, right? If we hadn't believed in that, we would have been gone a long time ago. But we believe that God is calling us to make a, a difference generationally, and that is a blessing. We believe that, there is, that there's power in prayer, and that's why we bless our kids. You know, you only get one life here on this earth. We talked about this last week, and I, and I don't want you to waste it. I, I don't want you to miss the opportunity to leave the legacy that, the, that God is calling you to leave. And in order to leave a great spiritual legacy, it really begins with a faith and trust in God. That's, it's the, like the foundation stones of a lasting legacy are a real faith and trust in God. We say a faith in God. That's, that's saying, God, I, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe, Jesus, that you are my Savior, and, and I, I want you to be in my life. I have this faith in you. Trust kind of takes it to the next level, because trust is when we step forward in action based on our faith. It's kind of like maybe you've been a part of a camp or something like that where you've seen somebody do a trust fall before, right? Where they, they stand, right, and they cross their arms, and some of their friends, hopefully, are behind them. Hopefully it's not people who are mad at them, right? Because they're going to say, I trust in you guys enough to fall backwards trusting that you're going to catch me. Now, if you were doing that and you turned around and said, hey guys, I just want you to know how much I just trust you all, but, but I'm not doing this stupid fall. You might question that, right? Like, really? Well, if you trusted us, wouldn't you act? Wouldn't you do something here? And when we trust God, that when we put our trust in God, it means that we're willing to act based upon that, okay? So faith is a belief system, whereas trust is action. It's action. I want to tell you the story of a woman who, who had both faith and trust in God. Her name was Hannah. She's in the, the Old Testament of the Bible. In fact, it takes place uh, pretty early on. It's in the time of the judges, right, where Israel was kind of disorganized. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing, you know. And Hannah was someone who had great faith in God. She's a true saint. But Hannah had a, a problem. She had a challenge. Hannah was, was barren. She was unable to have children. And many of you know what that's like. You, you've been through that. Maybe you're going through that now. And you want so desperately to be able to have kids, perhaps. But it's just not happening. It's just not happening. And maybe you've prayed about it and you've sought the Lord and said, God, why is it? Why is it so many other people can, can have children? Why is it that people can have children who don't even want children? And I desperately want a child. And it's not happening. You know that, that pain. That was Hannah. For Hannah, it was probably even a deeper level. Uh, because for Hannah, in those days, uh, a, a woman's role was really raising children. That doesn't mean that it was like that's the only option here, right? But in those days, that was, that was a, the primary thing. So for a woman not to be able to have children was extremely deep identity crisis. Like, everybody's like, well, what do you do then? Like, you raise children. Well, you don't have children, so, so what do you do? Who, who are you? And 
and also children were your financial future. They, that was kind of like your retirement savings plan, which I know sounds funny to us because we think of them as like financial liabilities, right? Not so much financial assets. But in those days, they were financial, uh, they were financial assets. This is the people who are going to take care of you when you get old, the people who are going to pay the bills when you can't work and pay the bills anymore. So this was really, really difficult situation. Well, so... Uh, Hannah was married to a guy named Elkanah, and El- Elkanah seems to be a, a good guy, um, and, but he, um, he, he marries another woman as well. Her name was Penina, and he probably married her because Hannah wasn't able to have children. Uh, that's how they did things then. Again, not to say that that's the right thing, that's just how they did things then. And so there's, you can imagine some tension in the family between Hannah, Hannah, who can't have children, and Panina, who can have children. Well, they had a tradition. They would go on kind of a road trip at least once, maybe even more a year, to a place called Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle was at, because they didn't have a temple built yet. So the tabernacle was the central place of worshiping God. And so all Israelite men were required to appear before God um, at least once or more a year to do this. And they would come and they would offer sacrifices. The law was very specific about what they would offer, how they would sacrifice it, and that they would eat a portion of it. It would be cooked right there, and they and their family would eat a portion of this. So it was a little bit like, uh, maybe like something like our Christmas Eve, right, where like we come together to, to worship God, and, and we tend to do so as a family, right? We want to be together. So there's, there's the aspect of, of worshiping God, and there's the aspect of, of being together and doing this all together. So this is what, what that was happening here, what Elkanah was doing with his family uh, when we jump in here at 1 Samuel 4. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord closed her womb. So her husband loved her. He, under, he, he wanted to kind of understand the pain, but that didn't make it easy. It didn't make it easy at all. In fact, Panina herself did not make it easy. Verse 6, in fact, if you are a fan of The Bachelor, the TV show, right, and you've ever thought, hey, it would be awesome to have more than one spouse, well, check out this story. It might kind of bring you back to reality here, okay? Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, Panina, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. What a jerk, you know? Come on, Panina, like, you can have kids, we get it, Hannah can't, all right, you know, yeah, it's, it's been established, we all know it, but it wasn't enough for Panina. No, she had to mock Hannah, to put Hannah down. So every time they would go, it was for Hannah this constant reminder. Oh, there's Panina and all of her sons and daughters, and now she's going to make fun of me because I don't have any kids, right? It was almost like, well, her husband said he had given her an extra portion. It was almost like they're having this amazing dinner, and Hannah's feeling left out, right? She's feeling like everybody else has got something here that I don't. 
Like, it's almost like it seems like Panina and her kids are over here, and they're all, like, feasting on filet, right? And Hannah's in the corner with a hot dog, you know? And then Panina's like, hey, hot dog Hannah, how's it going over there? You busy? No, probably not. You don't have kids, right? You remember that time when you had kids? Oh, that's, you don't have kids. My bad. I forgot. Like, really, Panina? We got to, like, kick her while she's down? I mean, this was a hard day. It was a hard time for Hannah. It was this constant reminder that she didn't have kids. And while it seems like being mocked by your spouse's other spouse seems about the bottom of the barrel, her husband tried to be helpful, but not overly successful. Verse 8, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> He's a guy, right? You know, <laughs> if, if we're from the South, we would say, well, bless his heart, right? For Midwesterners, we'd translate that and say, He's an idiot. Come on, man. Like here, she's crying. She's sad. She's hurting so much, right? Her, her rival is mocking her. And he's like, Hannah, what's the problem? Get over it. I mean, you're married to like the best husband on earth, right? I'm awesome. I'm strong. I'm everything. You, I'm like better than 10 sons, right? How could you be unhappy with your life, Hannah? <sighs> you feel for her. What pain. What difficulty. Maybe you know a bit of what that's like. Maybe growing up you had some of that. Maybe there was a sibling who it was like you could never keep up with them. They always got better grades. Or they did better in sports. Or they were more popular. They were always the one to get asked to the dance or whatever. And you just, you never felt like you could measure up. Or maybe your parent actually preferred your sibling. That hurts. Or maybe you've had it at your job. You just, you work so hard. You do your absolute best. Others are slacking, you're working, and it comes time for a promotion, and somehow you get passed over. And you've been praying and asking God, why can't, why can't this happen? And it doesn't. Maybe you've, you know what it's like. You've, you've been praying and you've been asking God for healing for yourself or for somebody else. And you see other people get healed, and you say, God, why not me? Why can't it be me, or my child, or my sibling, or my parent, or my friend? Why not me? Maybe it's the marriage that is struggling, and you've been praying, and it just doesn't seem to get better. Or the finances, it always seems like there's more month than there is money. And saying, God, why can't you fix this? And for Hannah, it's like she's saying, God, you're the author of life. Why can't I just have a baby? Is it really that hard? Is it really that impossible, God? Why not? Why not me? I've trusted you. I believe in you. Do you care? Are you listening? Are, are, are you even out there, God? Hannah's faith was challenged. We might say that it was bent, but not broken, not broken. She continued to seek. She continued to pray. And this day, 
Hannah prayed a prayer that would be a legacy-changing prayer. It would be the prayer that we know her for, the reason why we mention her name and focus on her this morning. She said, it said this, it goes this way, verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Maybe you know what that's like. And she made a vow through her tears, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. What a moment. What a powerful spiritual moment. She says, God, if you would just give me, if you would just give me a son, I'll give him back. I'll give him back to you. It won't even be for me. It, he'll be for you, God. I just, I know you've called me to be a mom. Would you give me this child? I'll give him back to you. It's an amazing prayer. She doesn't even, she could have said, God, if you give me five sons, I'll give you one. But she didn't. If you just give me one son, I'll give him back to you. I'll trust you with this child's son. This, this son, God. I'll trust you with this, this son. And then she says this thing that seems odd to us. No razor be used on his head. What that means, it's like a, they called it a Nazarite vow. Uh, you might remember Samson, the strong guy who didn't cut his hair, right? Well, that was a Nazarite vow. And this is a type of that. She says, I will set him aside so it's obvious to everybody that he is yours. How much do you trust God? Do you trust him with your children? That's tough. It really is. We love our kids more than pretty much anything on this earth. And yet Hannah trusts God with her son before he's even born. And while Hannah would give her son to God in a more literal way than what most of us are called to do, we're still reminded that our kids are not ours. They are the Lord's. The time that you and I have with our kids at home, it's like an act of stewardship. This is God entrusts these children to us and we're responsible to, to lead them and guide them and in his way. And we give them back to him. We put them in his arms, because as they, as they grow older, we realize we can't control them. We can't make their decisions for them. Lord, they're yours. Take them. Use them. Bless this world through our kids. It's why we bless them this morning. It's an act of remembering that these kids are a gift from the Lord, that they're not ours, but they're, they, are, they are the Lord's. And we ask God's blessing on their lives. You know, Hannah, she trusted God to work out the details of her life. She was faithful in a season of waiting, a difficult season of waiting. And, and friends, I want you to know that a waiting season is never a wasted season. With the Lord, times of waiting and difficulty, they actually can help grow our faith. 
That doesn't mean we always like them. I sure don't. But, but it means that God can use them to grow our faith. It says in James that the testing of our faith develops perseverance, that I am stronger as I trust in God, that my faith grows stronger as I put my kids in his hand, as I, as I wait for the answer to this prayer, as I deal with this season that I didn't want, that I didn't ask for. But God, I want to stay faithful to you. I want to hear your voice. I want to trust you in the waiting. Hannah had this faith and trust. She had this. And you know, it's essential that we do as well. Because here's the deal. You can't pass on to others what you don't have yourself. If you want to leave a legacy of faith and trust in your family, it starts with your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How are you going to give what you don't have? I was talking with Tom, one of our guitar players, and between, he said it like this, like, if somebody asked you to give a million bucks to, to a hospital or something like that, you can only do that if you have a million bucks, right? You can't give your neighbors a million bucks. You go to jail for that one, you know? Like, you can't give what you don't have. And we're called to build a legacy of faith and trust. Having that faith and trust in our own life and passing it along to our children. And you know, sometimes you may be doing this and others may not get it. That'll happen. They may question you. They may laugh you. It happen, laugh at you. It happened to Hannah here. Uh, it says uh, here, uh, as, she was, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Now, it's a bad day when even the clergy are picking on you, right? Like, come on, God, like, even, even the pastor's mocking me now. I'm just, I'm praying, right? And she says, not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I've been pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. He blesses her. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She went home. To make a long story short, they, they go home. Elkanah sleeps with Hannah. Well, after he apologizes for that stupid joke he made earlier, he, he, he sleeps with Hannah. She becomes pregnant, and she's going to give birth to a son. God hadn't forgot about her. You know, maybe for you right now, you're in a season of waiting. It's really hard. You're experiencing like this, this delay from God. And certainly God can say no when we pray. We don't get everything we ask for. That happens. But may, sometimes we get a wait. We get a delay. And I want you to know that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Those are two different things. Maybe, maybe you're in a season of delay and you've thought it's a denial, but it's a delay. It's God saying, wait, it's not the right timing yet. It's not the right timing. Keep praying, keep seeking, keep 
asking. Some of you know what this is like. You've been there. Like your, your, your kid doesn't know Jesus, and you just you want them so much to know, Jesus, to know Jesus, or your friend, or your parent, or your coworker, and you've been praying and praying, God, please, don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting, believing that God can reach them. Don't stop inviting them to church or sharing the good news of Jesus with them. You never know. You never know how God's going to use that. Don't stop praying for, for that healing. Don't stop praying for that, that restoration of that relationship. Don't stop, whatever it is, if God has put this on your heart, know that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Maybe you've been listening too much to the paninas in your life. Or maybe you're, you're getting discouraged because you've been praying this prayer over and over. Remember, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's Hannah right there. She prayed, she conceives, and she'd give birth to a baby and she would name him Samuel. Why? That name means heard of God. In other words, I prayed, and God heard me. Every time I call that boy's name, I'm going to remember that I prayed, and God heard me. And you know, Hannah, she would be faithful to that vow, that commitment that she made, that when he got old enough, she took Samuel to, to the temple where, where he would serve, and ultimately, Samuel would become, uh, he would be a prophet. He would be the leader of, the, of all the Israelites for a time. And then after that, he would appoint the first two kings of Israel, the second of whom is named David, who would be a forefather of Jesus Christ. We talk about Hannah today because she never gave up. She kept on praying. She kept on seeking. In Jesus' terms, she kept on knocking till that door was open. Thanks be to God. Her legacy is one of faithfulness, even when she was mocked, faithfulness when others didn't get it, faithfulness when she was at the end of her rope, and, and the world was changed because there was a mom, a future mom, who wouldn't give up, who wouldn't stop praying, who wouldn't stop seeking, and a mom who gave her son to the Lord and trusted that the Lord is faithful, trusted, Psalm 145, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. What is it for you? What is God laying on your heart? What's the prayer you need to be praying or the step that you need to be taking? Some of you know God's been talking at you even before today or maybe during this time. Maybe you're uncertain. And Holy Spirit, would you just speak? I believe you're real. Would you speak to us? Help us to hear you. You know, I can, I can offer you a couple tangible ideas. One is um, this time of year we have the Red Tower right out there in the lobby. And it's a simple way um, for those of us here at Anderson Hills that we, we get involved in and we serve. And when God leads us to something, uh, we say yes and we do it. And we, we trust that God is going to, to, you never know, God may be building your legacy right through that next faithful step talking the other day to a guy named Al. The last time we had the tower out and I talked about it, Al's a World War II pilot, right? 
and uh, he went out there, and he signed up for children's ministry, right? That's not your stereotype, you know, but he was faithful. He said yes, and God's using him as a servant in our nursery, blessing the next generation. I love that. Maybe God's calling you to that. Or there's something called WizKids. I want to highlight that today. It's a great tutoring ministry we have. It's a way that we bless the community. Uh, we go into the schools. We help kids who don't know or they're kind of behind on their reading. And we, we help them grow in their ability to read. And in doing so, we share the love of Jesus with them. And we're making a legacy that will last, a legacy that will outlive us. There'll be a kid that encounters the love of Jesus, the kid that knows how to read, because you signed up to serve. Maybe that's it for you. Or maybe there's something else out there. One other way I want to mention uh, something my family and I are doing, it's called the, the Asbury Society. Uh, and it's uh, something we've had around here for a while. Um, it is real simple. Um, it's a group of folks who, who say, you know, we feel that God is guiding us um, to, to remember Anderson Hills in our will someday, in our estate. And so we want to do that. And I can tell you, the trajectory of our church has been changed by the faithful giving of folks. If you're interested in that, there's a brochure out there. It's super easy. You just sign up. Like, it doesn't matter how much a dollar amount. You don't tell us a dollar amount. Uh, you don't, like, give us a copy of your will or anything creepy like that. You take care of that stuff. You just sign up. If God's leading you in that way to leave a legacy, that's an opportunity. You can grab a brochure at the Connection Center. Whatever it is, I invite you to, con to do like Hannah did to keep on praying, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking, and when God opens that door, to walk through it. God, thank you for your call for us to leave a legacy that's going to last. Thank you for the ways that you show yourself trustworthy and faithful. God, you are. You are faithful even in the moments where I don't see it. You are, you are faithful even when I am not. God, forgive me for the times that I quit, that I give up, that I don't seek you as I should because I'm not getting the answer I want immediately. Lord, help us to, to press on like Hannah did, to be faithful in prayer, in obedience like she was. God, I thank you for how you changed the world through this faithful mom. Would you use us to change this world as well? For God, we love you and pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Mm -hmm.